the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Daddy tried to warn me, but it's only offer. Those busted knuckles on a monkey wrench. I guess a man will hold on to trouble when it's all he knows. Hold on tight till he's wondering when all the time when. Old man drinking them Bud Light long necks Dropping like flies in the pound mouth smoke Punched the clock but it hit back twice as hard Now they're a poor man's punchline Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is a bonus episode, and our guest is the legendary Rod Picot. We actually released this episode on the website, marinadepodcast.com, earlier this year, and I decided to take some of those conversations and release them as bonus episodes that'll hit your regular podcast feed here at the end of the year. We had the great fortune of getting to sit down with some of the, the, the folks that made the best records that came out in 2019 in my mind, and Rod is certainly one of those. His record, Tell the Truth and Shame the Devil, came out in July, and it was it's just absolutely brilliant um it floors me every time and i'm so thankful for this opportunity head on over to rodpicot.com for everything rod marinadepodcast.com for everything the marinade follow us on social media give us a subscribe on your podcast app every little bit helps we appreciate y'all so much 2019 was one of the best for the marinade and i'm so excited for 2020 everyone is my distinct honor to present my conversation with rod lousy songs that paint the hard life in a beautiful life if that team can on his rusted weather vane Up and flew The cold wind would blow just the same And keep calling my name Hello? Hey, this is Jason Earl from the Marinade Podcast actually recording a phone call with Rod Picot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, thank you. Do you see needles moving? There's, Are there needles moving? I'm, Is the red red bouncing? It's red, and <laughs> I'm such a dumb dumb. And it's been this whole thing's been such an experience, and I, I'm so grateful that you agreed to do this again. Cause, of course. Because I got to the end of that conversation, and I, I like bounded into the other room because I, I was really excited about it. And I, I told my partner, Chris, like, man, that was awesome. I finally got to interview Rod, and it was amazing, and he opened up so much, and it was so beautiful. Let me just go save it, and then we'll go have some dinner. And I get back, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell this file is. I don't <laughs> – that's not – I can't do anything with this. <laughs> That's funny. It happens all the time. I mean, it happens in recording sessions, you know. I mean, somebody plays something magic and you go in the go back in the booth and <laughs> you know, the engineer the engineer didn't catch it, you know. So you have had that uh, happen to you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it happens. It's just, you know, I mean, they're just machines and they don't always work the way you expect them or want them to. And you right. just have, you know, you just have to let it go and, and Try again, you know, tie yeah. your boots and try again. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the resiliency, which I think is a good lead in to, to the conversation that we had last time and, and some of the stuff I want to talk about this time is that ability to bounce back. And, um, you know, this is also fun for me because I get to gush about your record some more to you. Um, tell the truth and shame the devil which comes out july 19th and i absolutely love like i told you last time and it came out of like this turbulent period for you um and can you talk you, you talked last time we discussed uh, a little bit about how this record came about and then um you know how specifically as you were going through such a tough time with your health that you were able to still create and not only create but create this incredible record well, there's a few things to unpack there. Um, I had had it in the back of my mind to make a, you know, completely stripped down album at some point. And uh, when I started having the, the health issues this past winter, uh, I was in the middle of writing for the record and trying to see what the record was going to be, although I didn't have any particular idea of how I was going to record it or, you know, if I would if there would be a band or if there would be a small band a big band or a rocking record or whatever mm-hmm. but um you know the health issues with my heart were pretty profound for a couple of weeks there it was it was quite frightening but i was in the middle of um i was in the middle of writing and so it it sort of redirected uh the course of the writing and um you know it made this uh, you know um, emotionally and mentally i was going through a a sort of period where I was thinking, well, this could be the last one, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was possible that this was going to be the last record and, um, not to be over dramatic about it, but it, mm-hmm. that was a possibility for a couple of weeks uh, right. until we got the thing figured out. And, um, so it really pushed my writing to, um, uh, slightly away from the kind of narrative thing that I usually do and more towards, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to get to kind of try to get to the raw truth of where I am in my life and how I got here. And so all those questions because of the health stuff, because of the heart problem, uh, you know, those things were just on my mind. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so I, I dug in pretty hard, you know, I went, <laughs> went to the shed and got a shovel and started digging. And, uh, 
so I, I, I dug as deep as I could and I tried to be, I really, really tried to be as honest and open as I could. And, and, um, um, you know, some of it comes out in, if anybody's being honest to that level, some of it's going to be uncomfortable and some of it's going to be, uh, you know, confronting yourself and asking yourself questions. So there's going to be some, some self-loathing in there. There's going to be some, uh, you know, questions about why didn't I do this or, you know, why, why, why am I alone at 54 years old? And I, um, you know, a question that I kept asking myself was, you know, am I, am I more afraid of the hurt of a broken relationship if it doesn't work out than I am, uh, in in love with the idea of being with somebody, you know, oh, wow. that that sort of um, teeter totter, you know, did you back come, and forth. Did you come to any resolution on that? I didn't. I didn't. I've been through a few short relationships over the last couple of years, uh, but I haven't. I haven't really, you know, been in a what I would call a real relationship for quite a while. And, uh, um, you know, luckily, <laughs> luckily I really love writing. So <laughs> I have, I have a place to put that, you know, that part of myself goes into the, goes into the writing right now. Well, and, clearly. Uh, I mean, three albums in three strange. years, you know, two books of poetry, uh, yeah. a novel and a screenplay in the works. Yeah. And a, a book of short stories that uh just released. I just did the uh the launch uh launch party just the other day at Grimey's here in Nashville for the oh, Book cool. of Short Stories. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh Radney Foster did this beautiful introduction. And, uh, wow. It might have been his introduction might have been better than anything I read for my book. <laughs> wow. He did an introduction for the book or he presented an introduction at the release? Yeah, bo- I'm both. Uh, you know, he he wrote he wrote up this this intro- introduction and introduced me at the at the event, and we had uh, pretty good for a for a book re- book launch. You know, uh, yeah. they're pretty usually pretty small. You know, especially at at my level. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. We had fifty or sixty people there. It was pretty pretty packed for a, for a record store, and uh, yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, and I read from the book, and I sang the, you know, some of the accompanying songs, and uh, which was a little, wow. a little, uh, you know, singing songs. Uh, I'm used to, right? You know, yeah. used to standing on stage and kind of inhabiting that space. And uh, reading is, of course, new for me. Yeah. So juggling back and forth, you know, with my my reading glasses and the uh-huh. book and the two two guitars and the harmonica was a bit funny. It was like, you know, putting out a putting out a grease fire and juggling at the same time. <laughs> Those disciplines, I mean, I think there are obviously some commonalities between writing a short story and writing and or performing a song, but they are very different and I um I wonder whether you, um, so when you get up to write, um, are you are you going in with the purpose of I'm going to write a short story, or are you going in with the purpose of I'm going to write a song, or just whatever the muse wants is what it gets. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's whatever the you know, it's whatever whatever the muse wants. Uh, mm-hmm. I just feel you know I, I love I love writing. I love all the different forms. Um, I love writing poetry. I love writing prose. I love fiction and songwriting. And I just kind of I just kind of feel like which one wants me that day, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I and uh, I'm usually you know I've been writing for so long that my spine is rarely wrong mm. you know uh, i'm r- rarely do i start something and i think oh no there's something else i should be doing wow i'm usually usually pretty yeah, my instincts are honed yeah. fairly sharp on, on in, in that way uh, was there a turning point where you realized that or is that just a progression i think it just happens slowly you know yeah. it happens o- over the years um I remember, you know, working really hard on songs early on in my career, and uh, um, and you know, not having that sort of feeling of when I when I got it right. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's all subjective. It's not getting it right, but mm-hmm. it's did you did you write what you intended to write? You know, mm-hmm. did you get on the paper what you were trying to get to? And is it honest when you read it back? Does it feel good in your spine? Um, occasionally, you're not sure until you get in front of an audience. I, 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 I can't, I can't think of a song in particular, but occasionally there's a song, you know, that that I'm unsure about, and I'll get in front of an audience, um, and uh, and I'll find out there, like you know, I'll see there. It's not like I'm judging it from their response, but I'll feel how how I feel singing it to them. Yeah, and, I think that's like the the Guy Clark quote where I'm I'm paraphr- I should paraphrase really, but he says something to the effect of they're not the songs aren't finished until you've played them live or you've played them for people. Well, I've never heard that quote, but I completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, they re- they reveal themselves to you. Uh, they they reveal how true they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you sing them in front of people, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's a tough pill. <laughs> it's a big old horse pill to swallow, <laughs> and it can be disappointing. And sometimes it's very exciting. And, so, what do you do uh, when so, it is disappointing? Uh, you stop playing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, ev- everybody's capable of writing a lie. You know that maybe sounds looks pretty on the paper. Right. But is not really true down in your in your soul. Mm. And um and that does happen occasionally, you know? It does happen occasionally. Uh uh and that's just part that's just part of it, you know? And yeah. you leave those you leave those behind and you move on and, and uh you know, you keep playing the ones that that make you feel uh relevant and feel feel make you feel true like you like you're being truthful when you sing them. Well, and tell yes. the truth, and and Shane the Devil is full of those songs of the really true songs, and it's the thing that I just find really fascinating, and I wonder uh, about you know what your thoughts on this is that you you're you're laying yourself so bare, and I I wonder if there are times when you write something, especially like some of these songs, you write something and you go, oh man, that's too much, like that's true. But I'm letting myself out there too much. Like that line that we talked about last time that just continues to floor me. This, it's like 
three lines into the to the album uh, i drank myself to i drink myself to sleep at night can't tell myself i don't yeah yeah i mean um the strange this you know the strange thing is there's a kind of guy dichotomy these things are at you know push and pull against each other because i here i am doing an interview with you right and i'm mm-hmm. being trying to be as open as I can and then as honest as I can and not trying to be, you know, manipulative to what your audience is going to hear. Um, but in, you know, in my own life with people, I'm very, very private and, um, and I always have been. Um, so the two things conflict and I suppose, I suppose it's the writing that allows allows me to address those things, you know, because I'm so quiet and and private in Mm. in my own life with, you know, with friends. I mean, nobody even knew that I was going through those, um, that the the heart problems this, this winter, except for the, the friend that was driving me, you know, because you can't drive yourself. I mean, (laughs) and the the back operation in the middle of that, all that too. Um, so, so are there moments where even with the writing that you pull back though, or if it's no, out there I didn't. And... I sure didn't. I sure didn't this time. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to. Um, yeah, I wanted to really, really get down into the dirt. Cause like I said, I didn't. I honestly didn't know if this would be the last record, and I, and in some ways, in some ways, it's so raw and so. Um, you know, uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and certainly vulnerable in like Mama's Boy and, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, The Guilty Man and uh, even Folds of Your Dress. Yep. Those are very, very vulnerable songs. And, um, uh, yeah, they might be a little uh, difficult to play on stage, but I'm, I'm, I'm damn well going to play them. Right. Uh, you mentioned Folds uh, of Your Dress and you... Um... You, in the liner notes, one of the cool things that I love about the liner notes is you have little blurbs about each each tune. And on that one, and then you mentioned to me last time we talked, the fact that you the structure of that song is different, that you use three-line verses, and that's not really typically how you would write. Can you talk about that decision, and was that designed to sort of serve the narrative in some way, or is that just how it ended up? It came from the it came from the melody, and it also came from watching. I was trying to be, you know, I'm 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 not a great guitar player. I have kind of a thing that I can do that is, mm-hmm. you know, re- relatively pleasing. But I'm not a very sophisticated guitar player, mm-hmm. and so um, I have found that I've, you know, that I have to be careful about not repeating myself. And so, mm-hmm. folds of your dress, um, the, you know, the, the three line. Um, verses came from came out of the melody really and uh it was sort of a happy accident to be honest you know i just was i was uh i was looking for something a little bit different that i so that i wouldn't repeat myself on on the record and i wrote a lot for this album Uh you know there were five tunes that come with the pre-sale bonus tracks i mean um yeah the bonus tracks that come with the Uh pre-sales And uh, there were another five, I think, that just kind of felt a bit repetitive, you know, like a, like the ones on the record or album are better versions of the ones I left off, okay. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 
So they were just a little more sharply drawn and a little bit more on mark. So, uh, um, yeah, so it was just a, it was just a, uh, you know, just me looking for a different way to, different way to write. Right. Even though the, the, the guitar playing is exactly the same, but <laughs> it was just me, me, me looking for something, you know, to keep it fresh. Right. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. I want to go back to that point you made about, uh, when we were talking about how the song, you don't really know it until you've played it for people and you get that feedback mm. from them. But do you, do you think about that similarly with a poem or a short story where you're not necessarily reading it in front of people? Sure, you might at a you know an event that you do, but you're putting it out there into the world for the most part kind of blindly. You're not getting that feedback directly the way that an audience would give it to you. Do you think about it similarly? Um, well, they are a little they are a little different. I, I... I think about it similarly, but you know, it's just a, just like what you just said. The truth is, you know, the fact is that you just you don't ne- you don't necessarily read poems aloud to people. They're meant for people to read, and certainly short stories. Um, you know, certainly the fiction is just meant for people to read. So that's more a matter of um, um, you you do have less has sort of guide you you don't have that you don't have that moment where you get to find out you know whether this thing is good or whether this thing is true with the you know with poems and short stories as opposed to a song where um and almost everybody is like this i think like immediately the first two first couple times you play a song you you know if it's working or not yeah and um um occasionally you get one that will take on a different life uh, later on if it, if you find a different way to play it. You know, maybe you're playing it too slow, maybe you're playing it too fast, you're rushing it, or maybe the way you're delivering the lyric isn't quite right, and you can adjust that a little bit, and all of a sudden it'll start working. But that's a little bit rare. You usually know pretty quickly. Um, in terms of the fiction, you know, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to line those bony little words up so that they're they make pretty sentences, you know. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to, uh, um, however dark the stories might be, and they are pretty dark. Um, uh, nah, <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking. That's a plot twist. I, I, <laughs> it's just you know you do what you're drawn to to do. I mean, yeah. if I if I had chosen this line of work for, you know, for monetary reasons, um, well, first of all, I'd be an idiot. Uh, second of all, um, you know, I'd be writing very different kinds of stories and songs. I'd be, you know, yeah. writing, trying to write, trying to write a beach read. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just follow, you know, at this point in my life, I've, I've just followed this, my instincts as carefully as I could for so long um, that I just don't know any other way to do it. You know, yeah. like I just, fo- I follow the the work that I've, I'm drawn to do. And then I try to find the people who are going to like it. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, that's, yeah. I love that approach. And that seems like to me, the, the way to do it with, in- with any sense of integrity is going to be to do what, what your instinct says to do. And that's why 
your work comes across so authentic and so honest. Oh, that's incredibly nice. Nice thing to say. Um, you know, I mean, that's what I'm aiming for. And sometimes I hit it and sometimes I don't, but sure. uh, that, that's certainly what I'm aiming for. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> to quote that Wilco documentary, I'm trying to break your heart. That's what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm not just trying to break your heart, I'm trying to obliterate it. Right, right. <laughs> it's working, man. <laughs> I, I can't put the record down, um, but it is it is a tough listen, you know? I mean, the reality is that those songs are just brutal. I mean, they're gorgeously written. Um, and, and I love how, I love what, the decision that you made i mean I, I i would imagine it had to be a pretty just certain level of courage involved in um doing it the way you did you talked earlier about the fact that you had to decide whether hey is this going to be a full band record or was this going to be and it just ends up if i'm not mistaken it's just basically you with a guitar and what some harmonica in there i mean it's pretty much just laid bare right that's it. The entire record is, there's not a, um, there are, the only overdubs are a couple of harmonica parts mm-hmm. that I wanted to, as a bed underneath, you know, where I was, where I was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest, the rest of it is complete whole takes, um, from beginning to end and, wow. uh, with no, no overdubs whatsoever. There's even, there's I push a- my push myself really hard on this one i love it man and like i was listening to it again earlier today and uh that song 80 john wallace your voice almost like gives out uh at a moment and i just think that's so beautiful and and brave to just because you could have very easily gone back and re-recorded that you know i mean laying it bare the way that you did uh has an effect on the listener that that I think, for me at least, I can of course only speak for me, it draws me in even deeper to the song. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, leaving all that vulnerability of those sort of, you know, cracked notes and, you know, guitar, you know, fingers squeaking on the guitar and um, leaving, it's intimate, you know, it's just so intimate. And, um, um, I love recordings like that. I mean, one of my favorite recordings ever is Patty Griffin's first record, mm. Living with Ghosts. And, uh, you know, that's that's how that record was made. It's just her standing at the mic, you know, singing. That, they, they, they were the de- demos for the, for the album. They went and made the album after, and then they went back and said, now this is actually the thing. That's great. Similarly, as Springsteen's Nebraska, you know, right. they tried to make the record after and went back and said, no, we're just not going to beat this. Yeah. And I, I sort of had that in mind. And also those, those first couple of jo- uh, Johnny Cash records that he made with Rick Rubin, I had those in mind too. I was thinking mm. of how, how beautifully raw they are, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't think about that. It. I definitely hear that now. Yeah. Yeah. I had that, I had that in mind. Um, and I had that in mind when I sent it to Nielsen Hubbard to mix. Although there was, you know, there was not much to mix, really. Right, more right. EQ, and uh, but like on those Rick Rubin re- records that he did with Johnny Cash, he stuck, especially the first couple, he mm-hmm. stuck the vocal like way up front. It's mm-hmm. just the vocal is just right in your face. Yeah. And um, 
And so, yeah, that's kind of what we were we were aiming at. That was sort of our template. Um, we wanted to make that kind of record. So there were a few a few albums that I was listening to, thinking, uh, "How raw can you actually get? You know, how raw oh, can you wow. be?" That's wonderful. And, uh, turns out you can <laughs> you can be pretty damn raw. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally exposed. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, speaking of uh, listening to records, um, what are you listening to and what are you reading and otherwise consuming art-wise? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm reading a book uh, from a woman by a... Uh, from a woman named Nicole Sirocco called Lit by Lightning. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting read. It's, um, it reads a little bit like Nicholson Baker, who I, lo- who I love. Um, it's just kind of, um, she's sort of writing like just her thoughts or just sort of running thoughts through, uh-huh. through the book. And so it's, it's an interesting read. I've got some, uh, Raymond Carver on deck mm. and, uh, let's see. I just finished, uh, what did I just finish? Um, where is it? Um, oh, I just finished, uh, Gods of Howl Mountain by Taylor Brown, which is just a miracle of a book. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the, one of the best things I've read in a long time, along with Brian Panowich's Bull Mountain and like Lions. And, um, what am I listening to? Um, you know, I mean, I'm deep in the fiction world right now because I've been, because I have this new book that you know just just came out. So I've, right. I'm, I've been I've been just, uh, you know, drowning in in books and just book mm-hmm. after book devouring them. What am I listening to? I'm still listening to Jason Isbell's Southeastern. <laughs> um, I think that record is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's my just favorite one of all the, time. It's it's yeah, I think it's one of the best records of the last 20 years yeah. i just think it's a phenomenal piece of work yeah and um it's 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 special you know it's mm-hmm. it's there's something special about that record um and i think jason knows it too um let's see what, what else uh james mcmurtry's complicated game i was listening to yeah. uh patty griffin's um uh, living with ghosts uh what else did i bring uh tom white's I just got off the road, so I had all these with me. Uh, mm. Tom Waits' uh, live album, Glitter and Doom. Mm. That was called, yeah. And um, that's a that's a that's a crazy wild ride of a record. I heard he, uh, he, that Tom Waits' live is unlike anything. Like that's the show you that everybody else is trying to catch up to. A buddy of mine who's a jazz musician went into it not knowing a lot about Tom Waits and just yeah. blown away. It's theater, you know, mm-hmm. like it really is. It's, it's, um, it's, it's blues, rock, jazz mm-hmm. theater. Um, you know, you have, and you have, it, you know, I'm not sure how this works for other people because, you know, I completely expose myself on, on, on stage in mm-hmm. terms of the songs and what they're like. And Tom is an absolute mystery, isn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea from his performance who he is. Yeah. He just cr- creates this entire world that you that you can dive into. It's, yeah. It's very special. Yeah. But those stories you hear about him, like like the hijinks he gets into, he just like sort of pops up every once in a while and 
you know, he's I'm trying to think of who it was. I'm butchering this story. I want to say it was like Julian Casablanca's from um, The Strokes that he mm-hmm. was around Tom Waits and Tom Waits stole his watch allegedly. <laughs> like all these. <laughs> It's not like the most Tom Waits thing ever, though, right? That, like, he plotted to steal this rock star's watch. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm butchering the story. But it still works for, like, the the myth of Tom Waits. I have a, uh, my favorite Tom Waits story is I have a, I have a friend whose brother was a, is a wonderful upright bass player. And he happened to be at a party uh, out on the West Coast, somewhere in that blind country region where it's Tom apparently lives and Tom was there. And so all these musicians were playing, they were just kind of, you know, playing into the night. It was two o'clock in the morning. And, and, uh, somebody said, well, let's play this. And, uh, my, my buddy's brother, the bass player, so, uh, what key? And, and Tom was sitting at the piano and said, what difference does it make? <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> great. <laughs> I love. I just love. I love the wild weirdness of you know. You know, I just want to know what key it's in. Whatever says it makes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it really. It really doesn't. But it would help to you know pick the help help me pick the right notes. Right. Right. That's great, man. Well, uh, Rod, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I do want to tell you a quick story about um, last time we talked about Brian Koppelman, and I had just coincidentally tweeted to brian koppelman discussing the idea of doing phone interviews because i knew i was going to talk to you and he had just released an episode of his podcast the moment where he did a phoner and um and then i uh i tweeted after we had talked before i knew that i had not captured the recording (laughs) and uh (laughs) I i told him that i had spoken with you and koppelman responded that he said about you he said He's a good man and a great songwriter. Oh, geez, that's that's a that's a huge compliment because he is a uh, he's an incredibly smart guy and uh, so 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 talented. And he was very kind. He you know he gave me a gave me a, a blurb for my music years ago. And, oh, and awesome. uh, he's a he. I mean, he's a, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's somebody that you can I, I can have you know, no hesitation in saying that that's a brilliant man. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, a lot of my work ethic comes from, like I told you last time, that Vine series that he mm-hmm. did, we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, script writing and talking about writing screenplays. And he had one little Vine that just said, if you just write a page a day, you've written three movies in a year. Yeah. Just remember that. That's how you think of it. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's a march. It's a it's a marathon, yeah. and uh, so you just keep going. You know, you just you just keep going yeah. every day. So uh, yeah, it, it had a big effect on me. That very simple concept. Yeah, that's what his uh, his. I never saw the Vine series, but that's what his podcast, The Moment, does for me. Um, and I was actually listening to it earlier today on my run, and it. Um, and the conversation he was having there opened up a different portal for me. And it seems like every time I get those nuggets, but that idea of, of doing the work, which is what, you know, you're referring to he, that work ethic. Um, I mean, I certainly have thought of myself for a long time as a hard worker, but creatively, you know, I think I, I previously thought about it as 
Well, I just kind of, you know, go through life experiencing it, and then something will strike, and I'll have a creative idea, and then I'll write that creative idea down instead of getting up and doing the work, you know? And since being exposed to Koppelman, um, now I get up and do the work every day. I mean, that's the thing. That is, if you're waiting on it, you know, it may or may not come. Mm -hmm. But if if you open the door and invite it in, you know, you've got a much better chance of catching something. Right. You've got a much better ca- chance of catching that, catching that, that wave. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, just having your antenna up all the time instead of sort of waiting for something to call on you, yeah. just keeping your antenna up. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that's sort of sort of how I think about it. Anyway. I like that a lot. Keeping your antenna up yeah. and yeah. sitting down and doing the work. Yep. Both That's of those awesome. things, you know, part of it is part of it is inspiration and part of it is, you know, just getting your hammer and chisel out and just start carving, you know, yeah. it'll turn into something. <laughs> right. And if it's not good, so what? You did the work and you've grown from that, you know? And sometimes you have to make the, you know, you have, sometimes you have to do the bad work to get to the good work. Mm. Like you, you might get one little piece out of it, you know, you might mm. get one line or, or just a concept or uh, you know, there might be something hidden in there. You now, Slade Cleves and I write together a lot, and, mm-hmm. and and we think of it as having a sort of junkyard. You know, that hmm. the stuff that doesn't stuff that doesn't work goes into the junkyard, and then when you need a f- new flywheel, you go out to the Pontiac that's in the back there, and you find the flywheel. You know, and mm-hmm. take take it off and put it on the new piece on you know, the new car. You know, right, right. So so so, so you sort of have this body of of uh of stuff to pull from when you need it you know i love that oh man rod thank you so much man what's the what's the book called and where can folks find it uh the book is called out past the wires uh it's on my website rodpicot.com uh we're trying to keep it away from the evil empire that begins with a (laughs) and uh we're uh we're uh it's also at um uh, the publisher is Working Title Farm, and uh, so far we're having really good luck with it. We're getting tons of tons of book orders from independent bookstores all across the South, and and now oh, up great. in Maine, you know, where I grew up. And, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're well, we're excited about it. It's brand new, so you, you you made me think of something we talked about last time, which was that the new record. Um, tell the truth and shame the devil out July nineteenth. That you're not gonna stream it, if I'm not mistaken, right? I am not, and uh, um, you know, I made that decision because, for a few different reasons. Because this record is so personal, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I mean, uh, music, musicians today, you're, everybody's just giving the stuff away. Yeah, uh, you know, the streaming services are killing us, mm-hmm. and I just feel like. I feel I kind of feel like I made something really special and small and intimate. It's I almost feel like I made a piece of folk art, and mm. you know you're gonna to have to drive over to Tennessee to get it. You know if you want, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if you, I love that. If if, if if you want one, they're here, but you gotta you gotta come over and pick one out. You yeah, know? Um, sort of thinking of it like that. So I like we may that stream a, a couple. Might stream a couple of songs just to have a 
presence there so people can find it. But we're not we're not giving the whole thing away. Yeah. Uh, and and if that means less sales, that's fine with me. Mm. That's that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, this one's special to me, and so I'm gonna have people come to me for it. Well, it is a special record, and I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful for you and your time. I'm going to go get the book and read it. I'm going to go to robpicott.com right now, actually, and order it. And, Rod, thank you so much for doing this and doing it again. I'm happy to do it, happy to talk to you. And uh, if I can ever do anything to help you get somebody else that you'd like to have on, I'm happy to help. So Thank you so much. Feel free to reach out. I appreciate it, Rod. All right, man. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. All right.